Welcome to the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. This past weekend, the 41st annual Dallas International Guitar Festival took place. Thousands of guitar and music lovers trucked over five-plus acres of land at Dallas Market Hall to enjoy music at the many stages and to buy, trade, and talk guitars with over 230 exhibitors. Personally, I walked away with a kick-ass Fender Precision Bass. Man, it seriously moves some air. Every member of my band has given it a big thumbs up. Two artists at the Guitar Festival impressed me, Danny Franke and Kara Granger. Both have new album releases scheduled over the next couple weeks. Check out Danny and Kara's music on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, or at your local music store. On with the show. Today, my partner, Muddy Waters, our chocolate lab, hands the mic over to John Pettigo. John's an international touring Americana artist that walks onto stage as an individual, as one of the two core members of the O's, and now with Pettigo's Magic Pilsner Group. The Magic Pilsner's first album was recently released to rave reviews. Let's talk with John about his music, production work, and influence within the North Texas music scene. Amy, let's kick off the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. This is the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Listen up. It's all about the music. Let's check in on the artists, songs, and people behind the scenes. Are you listening? All right. We're here with John Pettigo. Uh, Muddy was nice enough, our rescue lab, to uh, hand over the microphone to John. John is one heck of a songwriter, musician, recording artist, and producer. John was born and raised here in Dallas, started playing music early on, played in different bands through high school and college, um, you have been a ter- tour mate with Brett Miller from the old 97s. You played with uh, Tim DeLauder uh, a couple times. You played with several other artists. Um, you also formed, about, I think about a decade ago, you formed the, formed the band The O's with Taylor Young. And as we were talking prior to kicking off the show, it sounds like you're in every other band in Dallas, too, some, from time to time. The O's have toured extensively across the, uh, across the globe. And now he has formed and added the band Pettigo's Magic Pilsner, to his resume. They recently released their first album that beautifully digs into the emotions of a recent loss, dealing with change, and, from my perspective, humanity. We're going to dig into this new album in just a minute, but before we do, John, I just gave kind of a 35,000-foot-high flash of your history. Can you expand on that for our listeners? Yes. Howdy. (laughs) Thank you. Howdy, listeners. My name is John Pettigo. It's a real pleasure to be here, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. If anybody's wondering, we are in Oak Cliff, and uh, I, I shouldn't give the address, right? I'd, I'd pass no. on that. You know, yeah, I, yeah. the fans. I have so many fans. I know. I don't want to knock on the doors. I don't want to start some kind of riot outside your no, home. No, don't do that. But uh, yes, yeah, so I've been around uh, quite some time. I'm, you know, born and raised here in, in Dallas, in East Dallas, rather. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've been playing music forever, and recently I started this new band and. Really, it was a recording project. So we were, you know, I was just trying to get some some tunes recorded, and then uh, Trey Johnson at the helm of State Fair Records, kind of we talked about it, and it went from like recording maybe three or four songs to recording a full album. Um, really, because we were like, well, if we're gonna make an album, let's make something we can sell, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And then, and then uh, so that's what kind of formed it. And then I thought, well, I, I said I need a real band now to go play so i've kind of pieced it together but the guys that are i'm playing with uh chad and trey they were on the record um 
And it's really good stuff. I think everybody out there will like it a lot. Yeah. Well, leading up to this, liking it a lot. Yeah. What were your What were your influences growing up in Dallas from a musical perspective? Um, that was. I mean, the '90s of Dallas music scene was excellent, and I was lucky enough to have older brothers that would sneak me into bars when I was like 13 or whatever. You know. Um. So I mean, locally speaking, I mean, Tripping Daisy, Hagfish, yeah. Force of Empire. Um. Kind of the usual suspects, Reverend Horton Heat, uh, UFO of You, Funland, you know, the greats yep. that are from Toadies, of course, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I listened to all that. But really, like, what started me in music was in sixth grade. Uh, I was at my friend's, like, party, friend Lauren. She was having a little sweet get-together. We were all hanging out, raging, you know, drinking Cokes. Having some dominoes, just freaking out. Yeah, really, really taking it to the edge. Yeah, just nuts. <laughs> you know, I think somebody chugged a Coke. You know what I mean? It was insanity. Um, and then, uh, but her older brother, or some, maybe somebody's older brother, basically was like, you got to check out this. He gave me a tape, and he was like, you got to check this out. And it was, uh, on one side, it was the Smiths, and the other yeah. side was the Pixies album, Bossa Nova. And that is why I play music. It was like, and I heard Bossa Nova. I was like, oh, I understand. This is what I should be doing. I wish I had not been received that because I probably would make money these days. But, uh, <laughs> but you know. But what's, the love of music, right? <laughs> that's right. It's a real love-hate. It's a, it's a, I don't know. It's a pretty uh, volatile relationship I have with music. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so. But it won't let go of you, right? No, no. It's, it's an unfortunate claw that's hooked yeah. into me but it's you know but that's really what it was bossa nova and to this day i still every time i hear it i get nostalgia nostalgic thinking about that tape cool i wonder what happened to that tape uh-oh we've lost yeah. the relic I, I, yeah yeah surely so we can't sell it at heritage auctions <laughs> no, later on? no we can't <laughs> <laughs> worth yeah the uh well let's jump forward now to uh this recent album your your wife's mantra Every Year Gets Better has been uh, seriously challenged over the last couple of years, which led to Pettigo's Magic Pilsner. Are you open to sharing what you've been through over the last couple of years here, John? Uh, yeah, sure. It's, um, so, yeah, what year is it now? It's 2018. So two years ago, 2016, um, the O's were going strong. Everything was great. Um, then we got news that my dad had, uh, he had cancer. And so immediately was going to start um, treatment for cancer. So mm. he started in July 2016. And when that happened, it kind of halted what the O's were doing because my bro- one of my brothers and I had to kind of run my dad's business. So oh, wow. for near a year and a half, basically, we ran a medical sales company. And obviously, my background is not in medical sales, and my brother is like a photorealism artist painter. So, wow. so this was a little divergent. He is not in medical sales or creating. So we had so Hey ba- man, can you imagine this picture with John's music? <laughs> Basically. It was like so and it was like him and I watching YouTube videos of how to take sheep's blood, mix it with auger, and put it into a plate to sell to hospitals. And uh, I can say all this now, 
for some reason, the guy that we sold it to did not make us, you know, sign an India, like whatever. There's no non disclosure. So I, you know, but yes, we were like watching YouTube basically and going, oh, I guess this will do. And we're selling, <laughs> you know, and then like, you know, my dad was mostly in the hospital. So he'd be like, How do we do this? He's like, Well, you just do this. Because it's like, obviously, he knew what he was talking about. Right. He's a scientist. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a musician. I'm just trying to keep the peace. <laughs> anyway, so for a year and a half, we ran that business and it was a, uh, I don't know, pretty pretty much a disaster, really. Because of that, like, I wasn't touring, and I just kind of wrote a ton of songs, and ultimately, that's what led to this album, was kind of dealing with that. And the song that really started it, that I didn't, re- like, record for the album because it was a little too far, was a song called um, The King of the One-Liners, and that was, like, straight about my dad, and, like, oh, just really? kind of deal with, like, little pieces of his life. Um which he said that was his favorite song of all time, but obviously it was about him, so, you know. <laughs> but I mean, it was all, like, you know, it just kind of, like, followed his his timeline or whatever. Yeah. And at his, uh, at the memorial, he, like, we made, like, a little video, and then, you know, kind of video clips of him, and, like, that song was playing. Neat. Um, so will you release it down the road somewhere? I don't know. I mean, it, it does. It, it wouldn't really go over, you know what I mean? Like, you would hear it and go, I don't know, you'd go, I guess there's an there's an emotional attachment to that, but you wouldn't have it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's hard to kind of look at it. Like, I don't know. If you were like an objective viewer in it, you or, you know, listener, it would be kind of, I don't know what you'd get out of it. Gotcha. I could play it for you later and you tell me. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'd like I, that. That'd yeah, be great. I, feel, I feel like it's one of those songs that, you know, it'd be like, my dog Charlie's the best. Don't you understand? <laughs> like what? <laughs> you know what I mean, or whatever. Like right. it's just all personal things. So. Well, for everybody who has a dog named Charlie, it'd be great. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> all right. So, can you expand on the theme of the album? I mean, you cover some different facets with it, and, and it's interesting. You've been picked up. You've gotten nice reviews from from one from a bluegrass side of the house, and all kind of all over the place. So. Uh, take me through your theme or your thoughts through the process of building it. Yeah, well, I mean, for this, for the O's and for any other kind of band before that, I kind of, it's not necessarily abstract, but I kind of wrote songs in a pop kind of way. And like, I was kind of just thinking in a a poppy way. This song, these songs, I tried for the most part to kind of tell stories which sounds like you were an obvious thing you were trying to do, but not it's not always the case, especially with rock music. You're you tend to kind of go more abstract or something. But with these, like I was just trying to it, to me, they're like little vignettes and little stories. So you have a reoccurring guy, like the comedian who kind of comes early on, and then at the very end, he's he, this character is back again. And um, but wait, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> but no, but I, I just I, I don't know, I tried to kind of write little stories and, okay and I, I i don't i i don't know i guess i've never really done it that way if that makes any sense and i kind of i don't know for, for lack of a better word cathartic i guess right you know, that was kind of kind of expelled certain negative emotions you know there were, yeah there were there there were eating at you so. yeah yeah well for sure so and i knew i i knew there were going to be heavy songs and i and i kind of went for that for that purpose you know like yeah. i was we might as well get into it and really express all feelings, you know, right. whether it be uh, like the, the song warning shot. So that one, I don't know if you've ever read like as I lay dying, but uh, 
there's a chapter in it that's told from the perspective of the body in the coffin. So, anyways, and I was always kind of taken by that. And, and I tried to kind of tell the story from that perspective. Yeah, I w- that really was fascinating to me, to uh, listening to the narrator being in the coffin. Right, right. Yeah. So that's, and that's the bit of that song. And so when you kind of, when you piece that together, I don't know. To me, that's kind of the interesting thing about that song. And I don't know. It's really, it's emotionally gripping, well, as, the, as the listeners will find. In listening to your songs, uh, I really am impressed with your lyrics. And uh, whenever I'm impressed with lyrics, the first person that pops into my head uh, is another fellow Texas musician that we lost a couple of years ago, and that's Guy Clark. So uh, you're, the great. you're in the right direction, man. You're that's right. okay. He's Guy Clark, man. I don't think I've done anything near as wild as him, though. He's had some wild tales about Guy Clark. Oh, that's my impression. I've, over there is uh, the book on him that was published last year. I haven't gotten to it yet, but I look forward to reading. I it. won't give you away, give away anything. But there's some good, there's some good stuff in there. I bet there's some really. Yeah, yeah. he's a wild. Ta- Towns Van Zandt. Yeah, yeah. And Steve Earle, and yeah, it's, oh, and Rodney Crowell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. That's great. But like in um, Warning Shot, uh, the words "ashes in a caravan," um, waiting for a magpie. I, I love that. Uh, never been the bow of, of the ball, never got a title at all. But gun down is an epitaph I could hang my hat on. Yeah. That's cool stuff. Thanks, man. <laughs> would, you, uh, would you mind playing it? Like right now? Absolutely. We're in the middle of something right now. Are we? Yeah. What are we in? Where are we in the middle? <laughs> We're talking. Oh, that's true. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll do a conversational break. Is okay. that okay? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Okay, I'll, right. I will play that song right, right now. That's right. And while, while he sets up, um, I want to let you know that uh, he is he's playing in the Dallas area at uh, the Kessler on uh, Saturday night, May 26th. I've got my ticket, and uh, if you're in the area, please come on down. The Kessler is a great, for, great place. And also later in, uh, in June, you'll be playing at uh, San Angelo at the Penny Tap House. Mm. And I think you mentioned earlier you're on the May 29th, you're playing at uh, yes. the so, Arbor- Arboretum? Yeah, so just a few days after the uh, Kessler Show, uh, we're doing one of the KXT Summer Cut series. And uh, us, and we're, we're opening up for a band called Givers. So that should be pretty awesome. It's going to be at the Arboretum. I think they're doing them every Tuesday, maybe, this summer. Something like that? Yeah, I think that's the best day that weather is. It's not too hot on Tuesdays. Yeah, yeah. Tuesdays are the best, you know? <laughs> I think it's half price parking that day. So I'm, oh, I like I'm just that. kidding. I don't know. <laughs> everybody everybody tell, tell them when they pull in. That's it's right. Price. John said uh, half price parking. <laughs> like, <laughs> what a weird promotion. <laughs> All right, here we go. Warning shot. Like a coyote took south. I'm 
Of that song. <laughs> <laughs> um, when one, one thing I noticed when you're you're playing your beautiful Gibson, I'm just curious from a musician's perspective. You have any thoughts on how you pick your instruments? I mean, when you go to a place, you pick something up. What tells you this is something you've got to own? Oh uh, man, well I got pretty lucky. So I on this particular this is a 1956 uh, Gibson. 56. Yeah, it's. That's things. That's a songwriting guitar, and so I got really lucky. I, I was producing a, a band called Forty Acre Mule, and in lieu of real money, uh, I got this guitar, which is great, but it's not money. But anyways, no. But right when I was kind of giving it to it, it was kind of you, you touch it. I recommend holding it, but like, hey, I'm gonna give it to you, and you're gonna right. see what I mean. But like, oh, wow. it's a songwriter guitar, don't you think? I mean, it, does, you, it doesn't weigh anything. No, it's just like you just it like it tell it. It kind of makes you write a song on it. So I think I would say ninety percent of the songs on the uh, Pilsner album were def, were written on that one. Um, I don't know. It's a cool guitar. It just has yeah, some, it, feels it, has, very nice. it has something about it. I mean, 
it might be the 60 years it has in itself or whatever, but that's, it's... That's always part of it. You mm-hmm. know, there's some good juice in here. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But it... Um, you play it. You play. You place the string pretty cl- low, close to the fret, which is yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm kind of having to kill some birds. So with this band, I need to play some leads and such. So if I'm gonna be playing, lead, you know, it's I don't. I don't want to. I don't want my fingers to hurt. <laughs> oh no, no, we don't want to build calluses or anything no, like that. No, I'm, I'm well past the callus building. You know what I mean? I'm just, right, right, right. I'm, I'm here for the good time. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for letting me check out. It does feel awesome. Yeah. If you're listening, you you can only just imagine, like, whoa, that guitar. Well, tell you, yeah, check back on, uh, I posted, we'll have a picture, we'll include that in our selfie picture on this interview, so yes. you can take a look at this 1956 Gibson. Yes, but yes, you should check out 40 Acre Mule, great band. All right. Um, growing up in Dallas, your, your dad had, had a saying, which kind of cracked me up, something about, um, he's, he lived here and... Born on a farm, then it changed into a golf course, then changed into this, changed to that. Is is there some truth to that that uh, interesting tale? Yeah, yeah, of course. So I grew up in Lakewood, and he grew up on a street called Bobby Link, uh, Bobby Link in Lakewood. So Bobby Link, when he you know started, it, it was basically it wasn't necessarily farmland. That's kind of a joke he always made, but uh, it was definitely like pretty desolate. I mean, it was yeah pretty out there, and then. Ultimately, they built a golf course there, and then it became a town. And then I think by the time he passed away, he considered it a, a legitimate city that we live in. So what he always said, yeah, so he grew up on a farm, and then he grew up on a golf course, and he grew up in a small town, and then he grew up in a city, but he never actually moved. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. You know, because he's, I mean, he moved within like a half a mile, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, when I came down here in the, dating myself in the late 60s early 70s i mean there was nothing north of lbj for those of you who know the structure of dallas dallas fort worth i mean there's a lot north of lbj now yeah, yeah. a whole lot one of the another song on the album that uh, touched me a lot uh having i, I lost my dad uh, several years ago but it seemed to me that you were talking pretty directly to your dad was uh, orion and again uh, the lyrics are fantastic um, here's some of the poetry that you used in Orion. Seldom does the gypsy make love just because the card turned up. Never read a page of the good book. Ne- never read a page of the good book, but I hope and pray for good luck, knowing that I should never be afraid. And to me, the most moving line seemed like you're talking directly to your dad was, I need you to fight sometimes to try to say goodbye. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, <laughs> my when you put it that way, it is pretty heavy. <laughs> so, Here uh, I am bringing down my bringing no, down my guest I, again. No, it's. <laughs> do, you, do you need to pet Muddy for a little while know, just to need, get back together? I need. Yeah, I should have brought my dog over. I could have had a beans and taters and Muddy could have all hung out. <laughs> but yeah, I think Orion to me, it was always the first song on the album, and I didn't really argue with Trey from uh, Johnson about it, but I did have to kind of convince him why it should be the first song because to me it's like it's an overture for the album Ah, it it like sets kind of the theme it gives you kind of hope in hopelessness um and it it as each song has kind of its own vignette type story that one tends to have in my how i see it it has four different little stories going on and they're but they're all kind of telling the same thematic Right. Truth, so to speak. Yeah. So 
which is you know is there you know what's in in some ways it's it's asking like what is the point you know like a gypsy makes love you know because a card turns up like it, it's all some kind of chance or, right you know or, or is it fate or whatever you know right and so and what you know it I, I, I kind of jokingly always think to myself from Back to the Future, Doc Brown says, the, he's like, I'm always looking for the ultimate uh, answer to the question or whatever. And it's like, what is the question? And his question is, why? <laughs> and I was like, that was like such a genius thing to say. It's like, well, you know, that's it. That's all I wanted to say, why? <laughs> and then to me, that song kind of is, that's the, old, the overall question in that song is why. Um, but yes, of course, I mean, without... Without what happened, with what was going on with my dad, it couldn't have, you know, none of these songs really could have happened to a certain degree. Like, at least there would be maybe, maybe not legitimate weight behind them, you know, but they're all, they are all connected that way, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, looking at it from a different perspective or a different character's perspective. Right, right. And that's, yeah. you know, and even if it's not directly dealing with that, I mean, that's the emotional, ta- yeah, that's, that's the, the foundation of each song. <laughs> so, you know, unfortunately they wouldn't exist without some kind of tragedy, which is terrible, <laughs> you know? So the silver line is there's a song, I guess at the end of it, but well, it, it's also because we're human. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. We understand these things. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or, or tempting to. Yeah. Yeah. Better said. <laughs> right, better right. said. Yeah. I mentioned that the, uh, sometimes trying to say goodbye. Um, my wife was a hospice chaplain for a good while. And it it is fascinating wow. how uh, many people will hang on. You know, somebody's on their deathbed, but they'll hang on till a son or a daughter or a brother gets there so that they can say goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, <laughs> my dad, well, my dad was always the song "King of the One Liners" uh, about him. He was he's a very funny guy. Um, but he was uh, basically he was in a slight coma at one point and um we were all kind of rushing to the hospital and was, he kind of wakes up at one point and kind of doesn't really know who he is but he looked like a nurse was right there and he kind of grabbed her arm and he goes shoot me straight duck how much time do I got <laughs> everybody died it's like oh my god it's too good that's my kind of guy yeah I yeah that. I love that oh it's too good Anyways, but yes, speaking of like, my own condition, uh, <laughs> hospital was, yeah. you reminded me of a story. Uh, went under for some operation years and years ago, and you know you're you're just fuzzier than fuzzy when you're coming out of it. And so I thought I'd be cool uh, like your dad, and I thought I'd tell a joke. So I started telling a joke, and then when I finished the joke, everybody kind of went, "What?" <laughs> and I found out that I. I gave the opening to the joke at one point, and like 20 minutes, I went out then again, and then like 20 minutes later, I came back and finished the punchline, and they're all sitting there going, what? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah somebody needed a, you know, the great experience a recap. Of, yeah, the great experience of drugs, man. Yeah. Um, the, uh, tell us more how you approach your lyrics, your po- poetry. I mean, everybody has different styles. Uh, um, oh, goodness, Bob Dylan writes... Writes words on one side of the page and music on the other, I think, something like that. And uh, Talking Heads, uh, uh, Byrne, David Byrne, he, he sits, he'll, he'll work out the, the melody and everything first, and then he just starts throwing words on paper until he can make something work. I more of that approach. It's kind of a spitball type of thing. I mean, to a certain degree, I'm kind of playing. I kind of get a sort of melody, 
and then a word will come out, and then I realize what I'm writing. Uh, okay, this is what I'm going to write a song about. And I'm I'm pretty good these days about if I'm going to write a song, I try like I basically finish it, you know, like mm-hmm. the idea without. For years, it was always just kind of letting these little strings of songs sit, and I finally and then coming back to them, right? But this but, one, you stuck to it, right? And and the, and the reason was because I I had time, <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't going on tour the next day or what, you know what I mean? Right, right. So I could really figure it out, and but I mean, really, like in general, I do it that way. So I'll have a melody, and then I kind of a couple of words, and I go, oh, okay, so this is how this song is going to go, and then I kind of really flesh out that 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 idea. And I try to like think in this world of the song, like you know, what imagery do I see, and try to like write well, it down, you know. Yeah. But it doesn't always work, you know, because you ha- you want to be clever and you want to rhyme. So right, you know, it's so, so you know, it's, it's a it's a really crazy task because you're trying to tell a story and I don't know, but you forty have, words or whatever it is, right? Is, well, and plus, you also have, my impression in reading your lyrics and everything is you, you just have to be open to these <laughs> word beams that may be coming your way. Because to me, like the gypsy thing, because I wouldn't think it, I haven't thought of gypsies in yeah, years, yeah. and all of a sudden you pulled out this beautiful, you know, uh, line about a, a gypsy woman. That was, right, that's cool. But it has, you know, it's like that's the imagery, though, and you can yes. see it once you go, like, oh yeah, oh, okay, it's fantastic. Now, now you have the tapestry that you're looking right. for or whatever, but. Yeah, it's not. You, you sometimes you get lucky, and sometimes you don't. You know, like, like I, you know, I think the Beatles say they wrote like what thousand to one ratio or something, and I don't, I don't have thousand song, but you know, I do probably write thirty to one. You know, like right. that's terrible, that's terrible, terrible, and I was like, ah, oh, that's a good one. You know what I mean? But that's part of the exercise. It's part of the craft Absolutely. that you just kind of work on it and. And you just hope for the best. Yeah, you know. Well, like going back to one story on Guy Clark. I mean, I can't remember which song it was, but I think 15 years after he released it, he changed the lyrics in it because he didn't like this one line in the, yeah. in the song. But it is. I mean, words have weight, so you really want to think about like each thing you're saying. Like, I feel like for the O's, I generally wrote, write, and have written songs that are kind of, I don't know, a little more kind of fluff. You know what I mean? Well, just like the, I kind of. Like, what's a good poppy song and kind of play it? And right. I write them in five minutes or whatever, you know what I mean? And these, like, I really concentrated on each word. And I was like, okay, is that the right word right there? Yeah. You know? Otherwise, you wouldn't have words like magpie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it wouldn't. Yeah, right. Like, and like, oh, when you think of it that way, and then you see the, you know, anyways, it, it all kind of comes well, together. Like ashes in a caravan. Right, right. It's just gorgeous. So, and if if I hadn't kind of really... I don't know. I guess I, if you saw like a video of me writing a song, it might be a lot of me sitting there with my mouth open. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but you know, you're just waiting for the. Oh, that's the word. You that's know, right. and, and, yeah. and then it comes. Yeah. And then you're lucky. <laughs> and, yeah. Have um, well, can we take a few minutes again? And now we'll pull out your beautiful Gibson guitar and yes. play Orion for us now. Right now. Yeah. Okay, right now. Right now. Got well, it. I'll okay. give you three seconds to okay, get the guitar okay, in get your it. hands. All right. All right. How often have I seen Orion fade into the morning, appearing like a promise that never came? Seldom does a gypsy make love Just because a card turned up Odds lay in favor where they may 
need you I'll never ask again I need you to fight Sometimes it's right To say goodbye John. Yeah. That was great. I loved it. Um, you went to a local. Uh, well, let's let's. Any other thoughts on some of the other albums? Uh, some of those other songs on your album, like uh, "Call the Kettle Black," was fa- fascinating. The comics' last stand, and again, the lyrics are great. And, oh, and then also where I've I've been listening to it on Spotify. Where else can people get the CD, the the LP, etc.? Where they can get that? Well, you can find it on uh, Itens. I think they call that. Is Ittons. that Itens? iTunes. That's what it's called. Oh, iTunes. Ittons. Yeah, oh, yeah. Ittons. Yes, I'm familiar yeah, with yeah. Ittons. In fact, we're right now we're up on Ittons. Oh, that's good. And on, on Amazon, uh, it's on <laughs> too. <laughs> so you can find that it. That sounds like a makeup, you know. Yeah. Amazon. <laughs> yeah, it's what it is. So yes, yeah, so you can get it on iTunes and and Amazon and you can listen to it for you know, a monthly subscription fee on Spotify, of course. Cool. But so, uh, yeah, it's, now you it's, produced it's a bunch of CDs and LPs, right? Or just CDs? Yeah, yeah. We have uh, vinyl and CD. Right. Um, but yeah, so you can find it everywhere. I mean, we'll have them at shows. You can go to Good Records and locally here in Dallas, um, they have it yeah. in stock. And um, I love it. Yeah, everybody's gonna love it. It's really good stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, the songs are good. I think I, I, for me, it's the best collection of songs that I've ever been a you know that I've ever done. No, oh, I think like, it's a fantastic it's, album. It's it's 
I don't, I, I find it, you know, it'll be hard to top it. <laughs> you know, I'm going to try to write songs that are good and hopefully the next one will be good. The, it's one of those albums, folks, that I, I, sometimes you'll just want to have a, a moment to kind of gather yourself and just kind of sit back and listen. This is, this is an album, I mean, I can listen to it a lot of different places, but I, I, I love listening to it in just a quiet place and just kind of soaking it in. Yeah, that's that's that, that that's the best way. You know, you actually get to hear it. You know, right now, hopefully this has been done. But if it's not, I, I hope it comes up in the future because of again complimenting you on the lyrics. I mean, has anybody else recorded any of your songs to date? Um, no. Oh well, the only there's only one song that was co-written on there, and that's a, the second song of the album called "The Comedian." And I wrote it with a guy named Andrew Delaney, and I know he's playing that one at least. But uh, um, well, I hope, so, I hope somebody listens to this or listens to the album and pick because I mean, this is good stuff. I feel like Josh Walker. Um, he's another guy that I'm producing, and he's fantastic. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, you got to have him on your show. He's great. Okay. Uh, but I feel like he's played "Call the Kettle Black" before. He's a big fan of that tune. All right. It's <laughs> that's the darkest song on the album, really. It's, uh, it's a vicious tale of a love gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. And, I won't bend or give in. I won't ever call you again. Yeah. So and uh, yeah, it ends in a it ends in a double homicide. So watch out. Yeah, I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> watch out for that one. That's right. For right. those uplifting songs. Mm. <laughs> Um, you also not on the album, but uh, up on YouTube, folks. You can see uh, you recorded a song that Willie recorded back in '75, I think it was, uh, "Redheaded Stranger." Yes, and that's that's a trip. Tell us about that uh, that song and where you did it and all about that. Yeah, so uh, we recorded our album at Audio Dallas, um, which is in Garland, and it happens to be the studio that Willie did Redheaded Stranger. So he recorded like three albums there, but obviously Redhead Stranger being the, the pinnacle. Um, and we recorded there, and I do a lot of producing work, so I, and I work out of the studio quite a bit. But I thought it would be cool to do, like, you know, a, a famous song in its origin, you know? Yeah, like right. Um, and it's a series that I plan to continue. And, like, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Sun this summer. Are you? Yeah, and do maybe a Carl Perkins song or something. Uh, but, like... Anyways, but so this, yes, we wanted to do a Willie song, and we just kind of, we did it on two-inch tape, you know, we did it like, you know, old school, and we did it live, there's no edits or anything, we just kind of pushed record and and played, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and we did it a few X amount of times until it sounded good, we're like, that sounds good, you know, and we had Maureen yes. shooting the thing, high-definition video. <laughs> um, did her arm get tired holding up the camera? I don't know, maybe, you know. <laughs> She's got great deltoids. So I think she's all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are those? Okay, never mind. Yeah, I think it's a muscle. Okay, yeah. hopefully so. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, we. I, I thought it's really cool. So yeah, if all you out there you should go check out. Um, I don't know how you find it. It'd probably I, via our website or something. That or just go up to YouTube's. I would yeah. assume and and search and John Pedigo and Redheaded Stranger. Yeah. Sure, it'll pop up. And get it. I want to give a plug since I'm a bass player to your bass player. Because ah, I mean, yeah. He's through the whole song, and I really do like his his uh, working up and down the, the fretboard. It is very nice. He's your, your voice was good too. Oh, yeah, right. Well, Rocky playing bass. He's a he's a neighbor. He lives out in in, in the OC with you. So, uh, 
Ah. Yeah, so y'all can hang out and talk bass. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. Get down to the Go get basics. Get some tacos, talk bass. Get down you know? low. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you've hinted to it earlier. Uh, you've done a fair amount of production work. I mean, you are on the music scene in, in Dallas, as I've learned more and more about you. I mean, everybody knows John Pettigo because you... Uh, your songs that you write and sing, but also you're always kind of a right-hand man to some of these people, supporting them, but you've also done some production. Tell us about some of your work on that side of the house. Yeah, so um, it kind of, like, producing, I kind of fell into, in a way, a buddy of mine was like, I don't know how to tell this nicely, but he was a pretty wheels-off dude, my buddy Ward, and uh, at one point he was like, I want to become a rapper and I was like, well, I'll figure it out how to record you. Anyways, and I kind of started off then. I was like, I'll push record, you know, because I kind of was interested in learning it. Anyways, from then on, I kind of, I did this, this, and this, and this, and this. And ultimately, I did uh, a record for, two records for the Vandaliers, um, who I th- yeah. you've had Josh on. Yeah, so, I, I love those guys. Uh, good dudes. So I did. And their, are they, have they started working on their next album yet? Uh, they're figuring some things out. So, okay. all right, cool. And I just said I want to do it, but um, you know, I understand if they want to go somewhere else. So I did two of them. <laughs> you know, one was in my closet basically, and one was actually at a real studio. So, uh, but you know, hopefully I'll do the next one. But him and um, those guys, I've uh, worked with a band. A guy I'm working with right now. His name is Josh Walker. And man, wait until you hear Canyon. He's, okay, it, that song will knock you out. Like it is cool. Actually, he's got five songs on there that are just lights out, but Canyon's just, it's going to be like the next wagon wheel. So you're going to love it, and then you're going to hate it sometime. And then you're going to go, man, I really did like that song once. And then everywhere you go, like an airport, it's going to be playing or whatever, you know, so you're going to hate it. But it's an amazing song. Um, So him, a guy named Charlie Memphis, doing, uh, next month I'm recording, uh, producing Old Night Sevens. Uh, I think that's a hush-hush thing, though. I don't know how I'm supposed to say that out loud. But that's awesome! Whoopsie daisy. Yeah! Whoopsie daisy. Are you doing that here in town? Uh, yeah, they want to do it over at Audio Dallas. So, that was pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, so that's going down. And then uh, after that, I believe I'm doing, uh, I just talked to his manager. If you know James Hand. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so doing his record, according to Taco, his manager. Um, and after that, somebody, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. You're I'm just, busy on the production side. That's awesome. Yeah, well, it's, it's funny. Like, we were kind of booking shows and trying to figure out what to do and then instead of just waiting around i kind of just i don't know people call me to record them i don't know luckily I, it's like i guess it's a good problem that i'm work, working at least you know behind the glass or whatever i don't it doesn't right. really matter to me like i i like being part of music it doesn't i'll be honest it pays better to be in production yeah, probably. yeah <laughs> you know like you I, you know but i'd rather be on stage but you know just because I like performing and it's a good time. Well, obviously you got a touch for it. So do you have a sense for why people keep giving you a ring on the phone or do you you help them um, opening them up, opening, opening them up, get comfortable so that they can let it really go. Any tricks there? Well, yeah. I mean, to me, how I would say if I have a style and producing what I care about, like, so I've recorded forever with different scenarios or whatever. And so what I try to do is what no one did for me, you know, which is like, listen and I don't know, actually work on the songs and never look at the clock, you know, which is, so whenever I work with somebody, I generally go by song price as opposed to like hour price. Oh, Cause if I go by the hour, 
I don't know. It puts it, it starts putting it puts weight on the clock and not on the work. You know what I mean? And well, I think that, I think that's a great approach. Yeah. Right, and so I if think if you can afford to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not. A, I'm I'm cheap, man. <laughs> you know, but like, you know, like so. I, to me, that that's what works better. It's just I don't know. You work on the song until it's done. Yeah. You know, and if it's not done, then you work on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just pretty like I don't know. Pretty straightforward about it, and pretty transparent, really, when it comes to like this or that. I would assume sometimes they come in well prepared. Some artists come in well prepared and have everything. Maybe even maybe they've maybe done it before audiences before, so it's ready to go. And others they may have penned the night before. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on the band. Like right. Vandaliers come in, they rehearse. You know what I mean? Yeah. They come in. Charlie Memphis, like we worked on the songs and kind of workshed them, and then kind of helped them craft the songs and arrange them, and then we built a band and you know what I mean so it was like ground up so it just depends on which day it is you know obviously right. Old Night 7s are a great band that's that's gonna be a big feather in your cap I believe uh, it will I'm excited yeah I'm that's, gonna that's really cool sit there and I don't know we'll see how those guys do I mean they, they're pros man and they've been doing it a long time right right so they might look at me like some kid like get out of here with your ideas shut up and press the yeah. button <laughs> shut up and push record man <laughs> But, you know, whatever. I'm there to facilitate. That's it. I mentioned earlier some of the gigs you've got coming up. Uh, have you got some more touring plans? Are you going to be touring back with the O's later this year? Or? Yeah, so my plan this year was uh, I want to get some a bunch of dates with the Pilsners. So going through the summer. Right. And really, this fall, I would like to do a new O's record. Um, I got plenty of songs, you know. Good. So I've, I've kind of wrote a lot in the last two years. So... Uh, hopefully we'll get a new O's record and then I'm sure we'll hit the road at some point. But yeah, I mean, really I'm going to Nashville in a couple of weeks to go out there and glad hand and such. And so I'll probably do that a few times this year. And I got to do a bunch of records for different people, you know, which, you know, I'm just, I'll be working. But yeah, touring would be ideal. That's really where I yeah do the best. That's where I sleep the easiest, oddly. A lot of people say, you know, buy the album that's produced in the studio. Mm-hmm. And I do that, but to me, I love the albums that are live because it's just—it's more real to me. I see what you mean, though. I mean, it depends on what kind of music it is. If it's pop music, it's got to be right. You know what I mean? Because people expect a certain right. rightness. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's like a country album or a rock album, like if it's B- not blues. raw, yeah, or whatever, like what are you listening to? Like nothing's worse than like clean blues recordings. It's like. <laughs> It's the worst. That is probably the worst music of all time. Just clean blues. Like, get out of here. You know? And I'm, what are you trying to do? Sung by a guy from who has an opera background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, baby. It's like, get, what, what? what is that? Bugle boy beat. Get the accordion out of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, not in Oak Cliff. They wouldn't have that. You know, he no. you know, no one's going down no cliff. No, no uh, way, Jose. Keeping it raw. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you've got a lot of inventing going forward. So just like uh, our, our, your friend Dr. Brown in uh, Back to the Future, you've, you, he invented the flux capacitor. And right. You've got some more stuff coming down the road. Yeah. Um, as we head to a closing, any, any final thoughts that you want to share with, uh, with our, your audience, my audience? I just appreciate you having me on, man. Hey, it was and great. It was, it was fun talking. I hope you uh, and everybody else enjoys the record. Uh, Pettigo's Magic Pilsner. Yes. Please go find it and listen. Buy it would be great, but listen on Spotify was just fine too. All right. I'm not picky, you know? 
John, this has been an absolute blast, man. Yeah, I'm, thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm glad to be following you a bunch, and I look forward to seeing what you do from here on forward. Thank you, man. Adios. Appreciate it. Yeah. Adios. Adios. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 For ongoing updates, follow Dogger and Muddy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Till next time. Adios. I cannot feel a speak. Punches underwater. Drifting in the open sea. Or is this a dream?